0: is with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Grace and peace to us all on behalf of Dean Robert Allen Hill and the Marsh Chapel community as we are a gathered congregation present at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, present in New England through National Public Radio WBUR 90.9 FM, and present through internet and podcast around the globe, live at WBUR.org. Dean Hill is in Texas this weekend, celebrating the wedding of our own director of hospitality, Elizabeth Fomby, to our good friend, Brian Hall. We wish Elizabeth and Brian great joy of their marriage and traveling mercies to them on their wedding trip and to Dean Hill who will return to us tomorrow. I am Victoria Hart Gaskell, an elder in the New England Conference of the United Methodist Church, chapel associate at Marsh for Methodist Students, and the preacher of the day. Joining me in reading the service are Timothy Hall, with Brother Larry Whitney as our cantor for the psalm. Our prayers of the people are offered on our behalf by Sandra Cole as I offer our offertory prayer. Our musicians this morning are members and friends of Marsh Chapel Choir, and with our own Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett as organist and choir director. We encourage your written or emailed responses, your prayerful and material support, your selection of personal forms of ministry, and as the spirit moves, your presence with us for worship. So now, beloved, rise up now and at the invitation throughout this service, in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, in the praise and worship of God.
1: Oh,
0: household the church in your steadfast faith and love that through your grace we may proclaim your truth with boldness and minister your justice with compassion for the sake of our Savior Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit one God now and forever amen please be seated we are invited to a time of silent confession during the singing of the Kyrie. Dear beloved, if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God.
2: A lesson from Paul's epistle to the Galatians, chapter 2, verses 15 through 21. We ourselves are Jews by birth, and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by doing the works of the law, because no one will be justified by the works of the law. But if in our effort to be justified in Christ we ourselves have been found to be sinners, Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. But if I build up again the very things that I once tore down, then I demonstrate that I am a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
3: Let us say together verses of Psalm 32 with the antiphon. transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed are those whom the Lord does not hold guilty, and, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I did not declare my sin, my body washed away through my groaning all day long. For, For a day and night, your hand was heavy upon mine. My, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Then you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let those who are godly offer prayer to you. At a time of distress, the rush of great waters shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You encompass me with deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye on you. Do not be like an unruly horse or a mule without understanding, whose temper must be curbed with bit and bridle. Many are the pangs of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. Shout for joy. Now, people of God, please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
0: according to St. Luke, chapter 7, verse 36, through chapter 8, verse 3. Glory to you, O Lord. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, "'brought an alabaster jar of ointment. "'She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, "'and began to bathe his feet with her tears "'and to dry them with her hair. "'Then she continued kissing his feet "'and anointing them with the ointment. "'Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, "'he said to himself, "'If this man were a prophet,' He would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors one owed 500 denarii, and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. have been forgiven, hence she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Soon afterwards, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chuza, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. The gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. We know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ, and not by doing the works of the law, because no one will be justified by the works of the law. This is quite a statement from a well-brought-up Pharisee. And Paul, like Simon in our Gospel story this morning, was a very good Pharisee. Now Pharisees have a rather mixed reputation in the Gospels, but they were actually good people, devoted to God, and in that devotion, very observant of the law, certain kinds and standards of behavior. And even before Paul writes to the Galatians, Like so many good people, some of the Pharisees had begun to isolate themselves in their own goodness, in their own goodness as defined by how well they kept the law. They had begun to isolate themselves in what they did rather than in who they were. God's loved and forgiven and restored people whose actions came from their love of God and neighbor in response to God's compassionate love and forgiveness toward them. They began to isolate themselves as well from others in their community, began to judge them for not coming up to their particular standards of behavior. This same kind of isolation thinking had begun to surface in the Galatian church. And Paul wants to make it very clear that for Christians, it is faith in God through Jesus Christ, the one who loved us enough to share our life and death, the one who lives within us. It is faith in Jesus Christ that brings us to right relationship with God. Luke's account of Simon's dinner party illustrates what that faith might look like. Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus, the itinerant preacher, to dinner. We are not sure what Simon's motives are. Luke portrays Jesus and the Pharisees as already having had numerous discussions, and not all of them were friendly. Certainly, when the uninvited woman intrudes into his home, Simon does not evict or stop her. Instead, he seems to think that Jesus has failed some kind of of test that involves her. If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Simon completely ignores what the woman does and has no interest in why she does it. For him, her sin is what defines her, in the past and in the present. And her sin is what should define her, in relationship to Jesus and in Jesus' relationship to her. The woman, as happens so often with women in the Bible, is not recorded by name, nor is she recorded as saying anything. But who she is when she is with Jesus speaks more clearly than words. She has found him, after she has taken the time and effort to find out where Jesus is staying. She has found him and so she intrudes on a private party. She has found him and proceeds to display towards Jesus an extravagance of devotion. Her extravagance is one of money. She brings ointment, not just any ointment, but the kind of ointment that comes in fancy jars made of highly prized alabaster. Her extravagance is one of luxury. The ointment is not used sparingly to anoint Jesus' head, but is lavished on his feet. Her extravagance is one of emotion. She weeps in Jesus' presence, to the extent that she can bathe his feet with her tears. Her extravagance is one of physicality. She bends to his feet as he reclines at dinner, as was the custom for men. Her tears wet his feet. She dries his feet with her hair. She kisses his feet. She rubs the ointment into them in an act of respect. And comfort. Her whole self is this extravagance of love and devotion. Her whole self manifests as extravagant acts of recognition and hospitality as she welcomes Jesus, as she welcomes the possibilities he brings to her into her life. Jesus, in turn, recognizes her. Not as the sinner she may have been, but as the woman of faith she now is. A woman who responds to the compassion and forgiveness of God that she sees in Jesus with a change of life that brings a new relationship with God and with other people. In her love and devotion, it is she who becomes Jesus' true hostess and what Simon or any, what anyone else thinks no longer matters. Her faith that God's compassion and forgiveness are for her has saved her from the power of the past so that she can go in the present and into the future in peace. Simon is a good man. And like so many good people, He cannot get beyond his own goodness. He calls Jesus teacher, but he does not take the lesson. He does realize that the more one is forgiven, the more one will love the forgiver. But he does not see that this might apply to himself. He feels no need for compassion or forgiveness for himself or for the woman. He does not realize his own transgression against the law as he neglects Jesus, his invited guest. He cannot recognize the great change taking place in the woman and in her new reality, but he persists in trying to keep her in her place as a sinner. Simon denies not just his own need for change, but denies himself the compassion and forgiveness of God and denies himself the possibilities that might open up for him. In a poignant irony, in his refusal of forgiveness, he denies himself and others the best of what he can both be and do. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. The story of Simon and the woman who crashes his party is our story as well. We live in a culture that pays much more attention to what we do than to what we are, a culture that demands retribution, not restoration, if we transgress. We can never be too rich or too thin, and our exposure to 30,000 advertisements a day on average tells us that whatever we do or have, it is not enough. Our schedules look like train wrecks and there is no place on the planet where people cannot reach us through some form of technology. We are already a nation that works more than any other, and in this economic climate many of us come into work even earlier and stay even later, now all seven days a week and we no longer take the time to eat even at our desks. And this is if we have a job. If we don't have a job, well, if we just tried a little bit harder. We over-medicate our children to keep them socially acceptable, and we over-self-medicate ourselves, either to bear the pain or to keep all the balls in the air, or to do both. We have more people in prison than any other nation on earth. Anyone who really tries to change their life will tell you that it's not the realization of their own mistakes or sin, or the need to change, or the acceptance of forgiveness, or the taking of responsibility for the choice of the good. It is none of these things that is the hardest thing. The hardest thing to overcome is the refusal of other people to acknowledge that change is even possible for him or for her, or has actually occurred. And as we all know, the hardest person in the world to forgive is ourself. It does not matter how well we keep the law, whatever law we choose to observe, Last October, Frank Warren visited Boston to talk about the latest book and news on his project, Post Secret. He began the project five years ago when he invited to mail in, anonymously, a secret, printed on one side of a postcard, decorated with art meaningful to them. The secret could be anything, as long as it was true, and as long as the sender had never shared it before with anyone. Half a million postcards and counting later, from all over the world, and with the postcard secrets posted on a website, Facebook, and Twitter, the project has become a phenomenon and is still going strong. The secrets are funny, or they sadden, shock, move, or disturb. And they reveal our common humanity and our common desire and need to keep some things hidden, some things we feel we cannot let anyone else know. We are not and cannot be perfect, especially to ourselves. And yet our need to reveal, the need for someone to know, is also there relieved if only by a stranger's invitation to let ourselves be fully known without judgment. Frank Warren's project has grown, and he has become known as the most trusted stranger in America because he does not judge, but accepts each secret confession with respect and compassion. This invites the sharer of the secret also to have respect and compassion for the secret they have shared. Many who have posted a secret report that they have gone on to share the secret with those who have needed to know it or with people who can help with any next steps. This also invites the reader to have respect and compassion for the secret, for the sharer of the secret, and for the reader's own secret so that the reader feels less alone. When the secret is shared and compassion is shared, it becomes less a question of what we do than a question of who we are in our common humanity. The challenge for us as followers of Christ is to claim who we are in the midst of and in spite of the demands made of us to do. In the great religious and philosophical treasury of bumper sticker wisdom, we learn that we are not perfect, just forgiven. What we do or how acceptably we behave does not save us in this world. The demands continue to escalate. All we do is never enough. Instead, we are saved by our faith in the promises of God through Jesus Christ. In the faith that we are forgiven, that we are forgiven, that the whole process of repentance, compassion, forgiveness, and restoration is at work in us and for us, even us, with our mistakes and our secrets, and our sin. And our faith does not save us just once for all, for some place where we will have pie in the sky when we die by and by. Our faith saves us also for our whole life long, for this life, here in this world, here in this place and time so that we are freed from the power of the past and can live in peace with God, with ourselves, and with our neighbors right now. For when we have faith that the compassion and forgiveness of God is at work in our lives, we can begin to invite others to experience these gifts as well and can begin to recognize them at work in others and to support their peace and wholeness as we do our own. Now this may sound simple, but it may not be easy. Our faith in our own forgiveness may shock others and may surprise us as well. There are plenty of people like Simon who will want to keep us in the past or in the opinions they have of us. There are people like the other guests at the dinner party who may question whether our forgiveness is legitimate. People like the other guests at the dinner party who took exception to Jesus' support of the woman may also take exception to our support of others as they move toward a new way of being. Forgiveness comes from change as repentance. Forgiveness results in change as peace and wholeness of life. And that change may not look like what we expect. It may look extravagant, or messy, or shocking, or outside our familiar categories. We might expect, as it might be assumed, as it was for the woman whose sins were forgiven that those who are not respectable will become respectable. What may also happen that we might not expect is that those who are respectable may become not respectable. This is what happened for Mary Magdalene, even though she had already been relieved of seven demons. This is what happened for Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, no less. This is what happened for Susanna and for the many other women who out of their love for and devotion to Jesus found themselves called to leave home and to travel around the country to keep the Son of God and 12 other men out of their own resources and to shatter every stereotype of both respectable women and respectable community just by their very being. So the key in all this, as the woman at the dinner party demonstrates, is to keep our focus on Jesus, to keep our focus on our love for and devotion to him, and to keep our focus on the possibilities he offers for our own peace and wholeness Through the compassion and forgiveness of God, he proclaims and embodies. Then, like the woman at the dinner party and the women on the road with Jesus proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God, we can have faith in our own forgiveness in spite of what others may think. And in spite of what others may think, can offer that forgiveness, peace, and wholeness to others. There is no time like the present. If we ourselves have not repented or changed our direction and claimed God's compassion and forgiveness, we can do that now or whenever we choose. If we already have faith that forgiveness continues to work in our lives, we can begin or continue to move out on that faith to build relationships of forgiveness, health, and wholeness with God, with ourselves, and with our neighbors. If we already have faith that that forgiveness continues to work in our lives, we can also begin or continue to recognize where forgiveness is or has been at work in the lives of those around us and we can begin to support them as they become a new creation, in spite of the obstacles thrown up by those who have a vested interest in the status quo. No matter what we have done in the past, or if now we make mistakes, or backslide, or just choose the not good out of ignorance or orneriness, it is our faith in God through Jesus Christ our faith in the compassion and forgiveness of God at work for us and in us. It is our faith that has and will save us so that we can go in peace into our lives and into the world. Thanks be to God. Amen.
4: our hearts for prayer, you are welcome to follow your tradition and remain standing, be seated, or come forward to kneel at the altar rail. Now let us sing together hymn 473, lead me Lord. Testify to your goodness and greatness this morning. You are our strength and shield. We trust in you, for you are our ever-present hope, help in times of trouble, providing us security and peace. You demonstrated your own love for us through Jesus Christ, who died for us while we were still sinners. With joy, we give you thanks and praise for the blessings of this amazing grace. We acknowledge our sins to you, Holy God. We confess that we let envy and hate get the best of us. We condemn others for the same faults we fail to see in ourselves. We let pride get in the way of our faith, mistakenly thinking that our service, good works, and charitable givings are enough to grant us salvation. But we are truly sorry for our sins and offer ourselves for healing. We trust in you, Lord Christ, and in your power to heal and save us. Forgive us our sins and help us to grow in our faith. Reconciled with you, we offer our service, works, and contributions in faithful obedience to you. Holy God, we pray for people in despair. We ask that you grant the peace of your presence to the sick and their caregivers, the unemployed and the homeless. We pray for those who are now at eternal rest and ask for your comfort for their loved ones who grieve. We submit our hearts to you, Father. Create in us clean hearts and renew a steadfast spirit within us. Help us to follow Christ's example and love as he loved, offering our compassion and assistance to those in need. We pray for people in violent homes and communities. Bless the members of these households and the citizens of these communities. Give them the courage and compassion to end this violence and make peace. We call on you, O God, for you will answer us. Give ear to us and hear our prayers, for we offer them in the name of the resurrection and the life, Jesus Christ, and pray as he taught us together. Our Father, who art in heaven,
3: peace of the Lord be always with you. We are glad that you have joined us today and we would give thanks this morning to Reverend Gaskell for bearing the word to us, for the chapel summer choir under the direction of Dr. Scott Jarrett for leading us in music, and you for being among us and participating in our worship life together. We would hope that you would help us to get to know you better that we might help you to get to know one another better by filling out the red pads found on the center aisle of each pew if you would Put your name and contact information down and pass it along the way, we'd love to be in touch with you throughout the week. In addition, for ongoing activities at Marsh Chapel throughout the summer and again into the academic year, keep an eye on the chapel website at bu.edu chapel, where there's also the opportunity for online giving. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
0: Give us every good and perfect thing. We offer back to you these are gifts of money, the symbol of all that we are in our time, life energy, resources and devotion. Bless and multiply these gifts, we pray, that the giving may become receiving and that the receiving may become giving. In the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Us go from this place in peace with sure faith in God's compassion and forgiveness for us that saves us to blessing and wholeness for the life of the world. In the name of God, who makes us, who loves us, who keeps us in everything, amen.